Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by a wonderful company, Creation to Revelation. This group of Christians believe it is extremely important that we teach the Word of God to our kids. They have original graphic illustrations from the beginning of the Bible to the end, featuring the beautiful and consistent presence of Jesus throughout. You can explore all of that at creationtorevelation.com. I'm so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Hey, welcome back, and thanks for joining today. So this morning, Summer and I were sitting on the couch, sipping our coffee, and there on the table in front of me was a copy of Francis Chan's book, Crazy Love. It belongs to Summer. She is reading it through for a second time. She and a group of ladies are meeting once a month, kind of a book club slash study thing, and she had just finished chapter four. Now, the reason I bring that up is I started listening to the book about a year ago and made it through chapter four, and then I quit. Not because it isn't a great book, but because that chapter crushed me. It's called Profile of the Lukewarm, and while I don't know what a Mike Tyson punch in the nose would feel like, I suspect it would be similar to the impact that that chapter had on me. So Summer and I were talking about how that profile looks a lot like us. Personally speaking, I remember reading those pages thinking, I am lukewarm. I'm not all in with Jesus. He doesn't come first in everything that I do and how I use my time and energy and money. I have found a comfortable, compromised American life in the name of Jesus. And as I said, it just hit too hard, so I walked away for a while and tried to walk through how it could be that God would love me and how his grace might cover someone like me who has been in Christ's church so long and is just simply so underdeveloped. But as we were sitting there talking about that this morning, I just decided to pick it up, turn to chapter 5, and read it. And now, I wish I would have done that way back when. It's not crucial for today's episode that you have read that book or even care about it, but he did do a couple of interesting things in the opening of that chapter after exposing me and, I think, many others in the one before it. Firstly, he doubled down on the fact that salvation is on the line. I think it's interesting that Francis Chan appreciates that he appeals to a wider audience and that there are a great many believers who read his material who have Calvinistic leanings. In other words, yes, I'm pretty much culturally lukewarm, but Jesus will save me anyway. No, he isn't first in my life, and I'm not bearing the kind of fruit I should, but I'm still a Christian, and works don't weigh in on saved or lost, so I'm okay. Now, I don't believe that, and probably neither do you, and neither does Francis Chan. So the first thing he did is eliminate all spiritual comfort in mediocrity. By stating that, if you are lukewarm, Christ will spew you out of his mouth. There is nothing saved about that. He talked about the words of Jesus in the gospel and invited everyone who thinks that their works don't matter to read the gospels, where Jesus talks about denying yourself if you want to be a part of his kingdom. But then, after properly uniting us all under terror of damnation, 
He turns in a direction that I like very much and align with him, I think, 100%. Back to this wonderful concept that even so, God loves you. And God's grace is available to you. And you do not have to be perfect or fully maxed out in your good works in order to be saved by him. In fact, we learn in Scripture that that is impossible. I would word his next few comments in this way, which is consistent with previous episodes. God is much more interested in your direction and your motives than he is your position. Because the truth is, none of us are in a wonderful position to appear before God based on all that we have done. Even if you are among the most generous and giving of people, which is a centerpiece of today's episode, even if you have sacrificed in amazing ways and have left lukewarmness long behind, no one deserves to stand before the Lord and enter into the gates of eternity. His grace will have to save us despite our unworthiness. But what he is interested in, firstly, are the motives behind everything that you do. Crazy Love puts a tremendous emphasis on God's crazy love for you. The extent to which God has gone to save you, to know you, and to bless you. Everything we do must be motivated by gratitude in the goodness of God. Then everything we accomplish glorifies God. Not the amount that we do or give or the number of people that we help, but the fact that we lean into all of those things because we are motivated by passion for God and the beauties of our relationship with Jesus. If those things are alive in you, if they are deepening in you, then they will affect your direction. You may be lukewarm in the emotions of your worship or what you do with what's in your bank account. But if you are motivated by a growing passion for the Lord, then your direction will always be forward. It will be towards developing more intense worship, a deeper sense of servitude to others, and a willingness to intentionally set aside and sacrifice more of what you've been blessed with in this life to carry out the goodness of God in the lives of people who need you. Now, from that point in chapter 5, Chan does what he always does. He comes back to talk about prosperity and wealth and how we're using it. There's a short section where he talks about how half of the world's population lives on less than $2 a day. And if you earn more than $4,000 a month, you earn 100 times as much as half the people who are alive on earth at this moment. He warns us that prosperity, our prosperity, can harden the heart. And then goes into a quote by a man named Robert Murray McShann, a Scottish pastor who died at the age of 29. He wrote the following, I am concerned for the poor, but more for you. I know not what Christ will say to you in the great day. I fear there are many hearing me who may know well that they are not Christians because they do not love to give. To give largely and liberally, not begrudgingly at all, requires a new heart. An old heart would rather part with its lifeblood than its money. Oh, my friends, enjoy your money. Make the most of it. Give none away. Enjoy it quickly, for I can tell you 
you will be beggars throughout eternity. Well, I got to tell you, that quote kind of hurts. I was starting to feel better in chapter 5. Like maybe God sees my heart seeking to love others more and leaning incrementally in a better direction of servitude and his grace is wrapped all around me. But then the chapter kind of looks you in the eye and says, okay, let's talk about your prosperity. We know that you're wealthy, that you earn a lot relative to most people on the planet. Has prosperity hardened your heart or are you ready to have a crazy love for God and others, not unlike his amazing love for you, that becomes more charitable, not out of obligation, but from the heart, and that cannot be emphasized strongly enough. I am double down all in on renovating my heart to make it more like God's heart, and seeing others the way God sees me as the single most important change that will lead to all of the practical, literal things that God has planned for me. First of all, without love, none of the work will matter. In 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, it says, you can sell everything and give all of it to the poor, and it will mean nothing to God if it is not motivated by love. I feel like my immediate behavior has been external when it comes to charity and sacrifice and giving over the years of the Excel Still More programs, as I've been challenging you and myself. And there are some terrifically practical things you can do. I started setting up a budget every month, and the first line item is charity. Not church giving, but individual charity. And I've increased that number every year, and every single dollar has gone to help someone. Here locally in Lindale, we have all gone all in on answering the door and the phone, every time someone reaches out to us for help and doing our best to connect with them. Lately, several of us, led by one or two of the men here, have started working with a rehabilitation facility where men voluntarily go into a program. It has led to a lot of helping them and, so far, 13 baptisms. Several of us are beginning to go to a children's village in Tyler where foster children are taken in, and we're working on different projects there throughout the summer. And look, all of that is good. And if you go out and do all of that, it will be wonderful. But let's remember, it will never be enough to stand in a place of honor. Lukewarmness will not be remedied by pure accomplishment. And so I've been working on something else that I want to share with you for the rest of the day that to me is more important than the actual things that get done, but has immediately motivated those things. And I'm talking about deepening in my heart greater gratitude for the love and mercy of the Lord and inviting him, humbly inviting him to renovate my heart to make it more like his so that when I see the amount of money I have in the bank account, I have no emotional reaction. And when I see someone God puts in my life, a human soul who is hurting, I have an immediate reaction. And the first thing is subject to that work. I just want you to understand today, though, you can't get there from a lofty perch. Standing in your position of honor as a devoted Christian, settled into the way that you do things, and then somehow instantly changing into this prolific giver, even though you're already doing enough and God is super proud of you. I'm here to testify that it won't work, 
you either will not be able to increase your charity or the parting of your goods, because after all, you're already saved anyway. Or even if you do, it won't be from a humbled place of open-armed gratitude, pleading with God for a chance to share His love for you with others. What we learn here, and I will briefly share with you from three consecutive stories in Luke chapter 18 and 19, is that the prosperous and rich like us becoming better servants for the Lord is impossible. It is impossible for a rich man reveling in his blessings to be who God needs him to be. But that text goes on to say that all things are possible with God. God can make you better. God can change your heart, which will change your life. And so I've chosen the title today, Possible with God, because even we can be changed in heart and in life. Do you believe that? And do you believe you need it? By the way, I almost titled today's episode after a short section in chapter 5 of Chan's book labeled Poor Rich People. But I'm kind of over the self-loathing part, and I'm ready to become something better for God. So instead, let's talk about something impossible for us that is made possible through him. Okay, Luke tells three stories in back-to-back fashion. The first one is that rich young ruler who has many goods in his life. He approaches Jesus, not for the purpose of being humbled and engaged in love, but for the purpose of self-validation. This man had kept many laws, probably never missed a church service. And it seems he was looking for Jesus to pat him on the back. And Jesus says, okay, I'll do that. But first, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and let's go get to work. You know that the man walked away saddened. Why? Because he had many goods for himself and he thought himself good enough. Jesus went on to tell the disciples, it's basically impossible for rich people to get to heaven. You'll see a camel go through an eye of a needle before you'll see that. They came back and said, then who can be saved? And this is where Jesus says, the things that are impossible with people are possible with God. Now, I want to know more about what that means. And I think Luke knew when he wrote those words that you and I would be curious as to how we change from the inside out and maybe could even be capable of making that all-in sacrifice of faith that the rich man could not. So we get two stories. The first one is a blind man who is a beggar. He's the opposite of that ruler. He has nothing. He knows he amounts to nothing and that his only hope is in Jesus. And so he calls out for mercy from the Lord. And those who were leading the way were telling him to be quiet. But Jesus heard him. Jesus recognized the desperation and rewarded the faith and gave that man sight. And by the way, that guy left with incredible gratitude, praising God and sharing the message with everyone. And I think that is crucial here. I don't care how nice your home is or how many cars you have or how much money is in the bank. You and I are blind beggars, destitute and empty, without the mercy of Jesus upon us. And from the freedom that Jesus provides starts a life of gratitude that shares that gift in whatever form we can everywhere that we go. 
Today, we're talking a bit about giving and charity, but truly nothing about our lives can move in a direction of betterment without that kind of humility, yearning, and appreciation. May we all be more like that blind beggar restored by Jesus. Well, from there, Luke goes back to another rich man, except a different one. This man's name is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, like the rich young ruler, had much wealth and probably had not used it well, had not even accrued all of it honestly. He, too, probably should be lost in his wealth. After all, it is impossible with man that a rich man might be saved. But as we close today, you will see that it was possible with God. Zacchaeus had a heart like that blind man. He knew that he needed Jesus. So though he might have stood on his wealth and pride, instead he climbed a tree just to get a look at the Messiah. Jesus saw something humble in his heart. And so Jesus walks over to that tree and looks up at Zacchaeus and says, come down from there. Today we're going to your house. It's interesting that everyone around them began to grumble. No one understood why would Jesus approach a man with wealth who had used it so poorly. But Jesus read a heart, a heart that was not only humble, but had the capacity to overflow in gratitude. And it did not take Zacchaeus long. Just the fact that Jesus would come to him at all spurred Zacchaeus to say the following, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone, I will give back four times as much. Now, I've got to say, those are some pretty enormous commitments. But they flowed out of him naturally and instantaneously by faith and thankfulness. And so Jesus looked at a man whose position was nothing noble up to that point, but who, with a heart of humility, was instantly committed to a better direction. And Jesus said, today, salvation has come to this man's house. And so the impossible without Jesus became possible through him. And I believe it can happen in me and in you. Maybe you have been lukewarm. Maybe you are scared that you've not been good enough. But newsflash, none of us are. But maybe you are finally ready to bow before his throne and open your arms. Receive his undeserved love. Be filled with gratitude and never let a single day pass without extending thankfulness into the lives of the people God puts in front of you. If they need time, I'll give it. If they need energy, I will expend it. And yes, even if their needs are physical and monetary, I will seek to know them and help them just as God does for me. Because when he changes my heart, what was impossible before becomes possible with God. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. As always, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for the email, order the three-month journal, or just catch up on old episodes. And also, if you are looking for financial advice or future planning, give John Cunningham a call today, 205-913-1720. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more. <laughs>